0: Welcome to What's Happening in 40K, your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene and bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our most popular episode so far. We are back with bets on George White is back on the show. And this time we are going through the favorites for the Manchester Super Major this weekend. We'll be going through the top 12 and giving them the odds for seeing who is going to be the best bets if you want to maximize your winnings, but also who is going to be the favorite, where these different equations might uh, fall into a betting man's perspective on competitive 40k.
2: George, welcome back to the show. Yes, thanks for having me back. I really enjoyed it last time and hopefully um, I can give my insight on it this time.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, it was our most popular episode so far. So just to give everyone a recap about what we're doing here, this is an entirely informal for fun betting show in which we're going to give a professional bookmaker's perspective on competitive 40k we're going to go through the top twelve and give odds on each of these competitors, bearing in mind what they'll be playing this weekend at the Manchester Supermajor. This is not intended to be serious. Obviously, if anyone wants to do any of their own betting, that's entirely unassociated to us. But this is a bit of fun, and we've, a lot of people found it quite interesting to see how you know the different things would play into a bookmaker's perspective on forty k. So that's what we'll be doing today. But before we get to it, George. How did you fare with our bets from the last bets on, which was the ITT? You put all your money on the favourites, who were Poland. I
2: would have been losing. So um, I'm actually £100 down now if we to actually keep a long-term track of <laughs> what we're winning together and what we're losing together. Um, I think we should. I Team think, England, think we, should,
1: uh, we should make a little friendly competition. So you are officially 0 for 1 and down £100. How did, uh, how did the ITT go in the end?
2: Well, Team England absolutely smashed it. Um, I was really, really impressed with how they performed. Poland, um, I think they they, um, they eliminated the Dice Down guys. Um, and then after that, they struggled in their third round, which made me, if I was betting in play, because of they they got through the third round, but they, they sort of, you know, limped past it that, that round. And then I could see some um, chinks in the armour at that point, where England were just on cruise control and just destroying everything in front of them um, at that point. So if I was actually betting in play and I was doing the odds as it was performing, England would have definitely jumped into favourite before that Poland game, just by by what had happened in the previous rounds, and England didn't disappoint. They you know destroyed everything in front of them.
1: Indeed, indeed, and I believe I would also be down one hundred pounds. So even though we're both losers, we are losers together. Um, I think I could not recall exactly. I think I had like £40 on Poland and then like £20 on two other teams each way. So it went a bit more complicated and it didn't pay off. So maybe maybe this week we'll have a bit more luck and we'll be doing our predictions towards the end of the episode. So let's get into it. I'm going to start off with the bottom three of your top 12. There's a slight difference here because we have a well-known player, a slightly less well-known player, well then a outperformer in here. So without further ado, we're starting off with Chris Kinner, sixteen to one, Ed Watts, sixteen to one, and Ben Jones, eighteen to one. So let me start with this question, George. How much did Ed Watts' outstanding performance at the Southampton Supermajor two weeks ago play into his fairly good odds here of sixteen to one?
2: Well, I, I think the field is stronger, um, at this major. So I'll just i make that clear now. Um it's a stronger field than it was before. Even though we're missing a couple of the, the really good performers from, from the Southampton. Here I think there's just a bigger there's just a bigger field of, of uh player skill, uh, personally. Uh, ben Jones, um, I would say very, very high player skill. He always performs well. I don't think he's the last time he's gone. done any worse than four and one is probably a while back he often goes five and one and just or i mean five and oh and just misses out on the cut the problem with him why he's the bottom of my 12 is because just the meta at the moment he's sticking with his janari and i'm just a bit worried about the janari at the moment with the with the meta um and all this shooting that don't need (laughs) line of sight anymore um it's not going to be easy to hide all these fragile units um like it was before. Before you indeed, had the guard indeed. and mortars to worry about, and now now all the marines have got access to this new desolation squads, um, which seem to be a popular choice.
1: Indeed, and I'm sure we'll get on to this shift in the meta later on. Speaking of shifts in the meta, Edwards played World Eaters at the Southampton Super Major, and he's now playing Space Wolves. So Space Wolves, probably a better faction, similar-ish playstyle to World Eaters, but he went uh, to the top four, so surely he should have a one in four odds. I think you're giving him one in 16, significantly worse. What's going <laughs> yeah. on here, Joe? Well, like
2: I said, the field the field is, hot, is stronger this time in Southampton, for sure um world eaters now world eaters are an interesting one right i I just think they're they're a real uh touring cost army what i mean by that is if they go first they're extremely dangerous because of their their pre-game move and then they're right into your face with some really powerful units um and then again when if they go second there's a lot of armies that can really punish them and just take them out of the game before it even begins so i'm not sure how head was with his first turn and second turn and I can't remember his opponents, but obviously he made the cut, which before I had two off meta armies that made the cut. I believe the Leagues of Votan also made the cut, and Ed was the guy with the, you know,
1: with the World Eaters. Yeah, yeah so Ed, of course, users. now he's moved on to Space Wolves, and Chris Kinner, the other player we've mentioned so far, also on Space Wolves. Chris is a new player to Team England this year and uh you know he's he's coming up on the scene he's becoming a bit more well known now now he's part of the national team he's also got a 16 to 1 so we have two space wolf players here both at 16 to 1 but where do you rank them overall uh, as a faction you know they seem to be pretty good but obviously not quite as good as dark angels so what what, you, what, well, what what sort of assessment you on that?
2: are an interesting one there is there is another um i believe there's someone further up the line that's also got space wolves who we'll talk about later but, I mean, what the what Space Wolves have over the, the, you know, the popular and the favourite army, Dark Angels? Well, Space Wolves, what, what can you do with those? They're like a combi melter madness army, Uh, combi melters all over the place. They don't lose any combat threat. They're the Marine faction that are still very good at shooting and also good into combat. Um, they probably have some of the best punches that can go through the Dark Angels blobs, you know, the Terminator blobs. They can just punch straight through it. Um, I played Dark Angels once before, and Space Wolves was definitely one of the hardest matchups for me. Um, so, I think some of these people are thinking, their thinking is that these Space Wolves can actually delete them big unit of Terminators with just sheer number of attacks. Now, the only bad thing from now, from before, is there's a lot more shields on the Dark Angels. So, before they were getting them down to five up saves, but now where it's just shield spam, they will have a four up save. But I still think uh, Space Wolves are an interesting one, for sure.
1: They yeah, are indeed, and I also used to play Dark Angels back in the day and routinely lost to Space Wolves. Some might say it's because I'm terrible at 40k. I always said it was just <laughs> I was out of position and got multi-charged. But that's one thing, and uh, we'll wait and see to see how well Dark Angels with all the shields do this time. So, moving on up the list, next up we have another Team England associate. This guy is a whiz with a spreadsheet, but not so wizardry with his Dark Angel lists. Last time he went for, I think, the full 40 space um, Terminators, and this time he has gone for something similar but slightly different. So, we'll now talk about Adam Lane with a 12 to 1 odds. So, George, he is the only player you've given a 12 to 1 odds. He sits firmly between a 10 to 1 and a 16 to 1. So, What's the differentiation here? Why did you give him slightly better odds than Chris, but slightly worse odds than the rest? Right. Of? So not?
2: I I think, I think Adam, Um, I don't know Adam actually. He's one of the, one of the only people on the list who I've had actually not met like in person and you know, who I know. And what I heard was he was a little disappointed. Some people told me with his performance in Southampton, um, I wouldn't say nothing, I don't mean it in a bad way, like it wasn't you or anything like that, but I could see he was a bit upset after, well, not me personally, someone told me that he was a little bit upset after one of his losses, um, disappointed with himself more than anything else, I would imagine. So my, my guessing is he's going to want to redeem that and he's going to try and prove himself at this event. So in the player skill terms, I think he's on par with Chris and Ed. I just think he has more to prove. So he's going to give it more and give it, you know, He's going to use all these data and these spreadsheets <laughs> and uh, perform a little bit better than those two.
1: Well, looking at his list, it seems like he has a simple spreadsheet, which is copy and paste Manny team's list from the last major event, because he has gone with Lazarus and Attack Bikes, which were the signature of Manny's list from Southampton, where he came second. So we'll see how that works out for Adam. 12 to 1 odds. Adam's a very good player and an all-round nice guy, so best of luck to him. Now we get on to the meat and potatoes, and we have Vic Vijay coming in at a 10 to 1 odds. Now, 10 to 1 odds is the best we've had so far, but it seems a little low for Vic. Vic's one of the best players in the world. He's the best player in the country as of the <laughs> last ITC season. Why have you given him such bad odds, George?
2: Right. So the thing with Vic, um, I, I also agree. I think if you're going on player skill and just say that we was to do these these odds before we saw the lists. Now, Vic would be in my top three. Now, what goes against Vic is what I believe that is the meta shift. He's stuck with these trusted craft worlds, and I just don't fancy them to stand up to some of the stronger factions at the moment. I think he's a little off meta. Um, he's also left dice down, so he no longer has me to advise him before these tournaments. So, uh, <laughs> his skill level might have dropped slightly without me in his corner. And everyone knows I'm a, I'm a better coach than what I am a player, uh, that's for sure. When I go and play at these events, I think I I drink a little bit too much and I, and I lose interest by game three or four. But well, as a coach, I, it... I, am, I am pretty good.
1: Oh, really? So uh, I guess it'll be pretty hard to be, uh, you know, better at 40k than much else because, uh, like, like like <laughs> yeah. like Mike itself, I think, you yeah, know, we talk the talk, but we can't walk the walk, so...
2: Um... <laughs> yeah, that, that, well, that's my little excuse right there. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, no, Vic is a fantastic player and there isn't anyone on this list, even the top two favourites that are actually a better player than him, I would rate him up there, right up there with the very best. It's just I've got a feeling that Crawfords are really going to struggle with all these desolation squads um, on the top of of these prices, which we haven't hit any of these players yet, but there's a reason why they're they're my my favourites for this tournament.
1: Yes, and of course, you know, very well suited to our large L-ships where you can have 15 to 20 very well hidden and tucked up on the different levels but to round off our discussion of vic he has stuck with his elder but he's gone for a mix of craft worlds with some harlequins this is not something we've seen fairly regularly from vic he's normally an you know, Imperial craft worlds type player and he's mixed in some interesting choices so we'll touch on those quickly Speaking of out of line of sight shooting, Vic's gone back to a night spinner, something that we, we were discussing earlier in a couple of group chats I'm involved with. Night spinner is very reliable shooting and similar profiles to the Desolation Squads. He's got a Razia, another very interesting choice with a D-cannon, and then some support weapons also with d cannon So lots of outline of, of sight shooting there on fairly durable platforms. What are your thoughts on, you know, some of Vic's choices here? Because he's not gone for, you know, lots of little sneaky units. He's gone more for a sort of I'll play your game and play it better, type list.
2: Yeah, well there's obviously a lot of different units there, like the single D cannons, you know, three, he was the one he's been raving about the D cannons for a while, actually, on our old dice down chat. So he rates them highly. I'm surprised that he's gone three units of one because he was taking, I think, three three one one before. So he's actually dropped two of those. And this Harlequin, uh, this Harlequin that he's he's using now, um, that he's attached to his craft worlds, that's new as well. So he's gone. Obviously, the the thought behind that is the Death Jester and the Solitaire. Like he's, I don't think anyone's used a Solitaire in a while, have they? Um, well, the Harlequin Blaz that I played anyway. So he's, no, he's doing no. his own thing here and, and picking his own, you know, his own units that he believes he can do well with. The Farseer I like because he's gone for the Mortal Wound style Farseer, I believe that is, with the bow. Um, so he's got some really good strong characters there that can push out some Mortal Wounds. We all know how good the Death Jester is now. Um that's a reason on its own to take the Harlequins with your worlds. The death test is fantastic for you know for the points it cost.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned there the mortal wound Farseer. So one of the tech pieces that we discussed with Manny and we just mentioned earlier about Adam Lane's list is this inclusion of Lazarus for the five plus against mortals. And uh, you know that didn't help Manny so much against the Karkin bomb in a matchup with David, but you know maybe it will help against uh, Vic's skyrunner so uh just one other point to make on Vic is obviously you mentioned he has left ice down Vic has joined team Ignite. now we spoke about this briefly with david gaylard after his southampton victory team ignite is definitely the one to watch this year in the itc a new name on the scene and uh we shall see how they perform this weekend moving on up we have people with better than 10 to one odds we've got brian seep Another Team Ignite player. What is Brian Seep playing this weekend, George?
2: He's got the Iron Hands, which is what he's sort of moved on to, and he's done very well with since he's left the Orcs. I was the one actually. Um, I wouldn't say I was criticising, but I was just thinking that he he should be. I mean, I think I mentioned it in the last video that he should stick with his Orcs, and obviously he's um, done extremely well with the Iron Hands. So it was a good decision to move over. He had a really really tough first game in Southampton. Where he played Alex Petford, and apparently it was it was so close it could have swung either way. One minute Alex was slightly ahead, and then Brian was slightly ahead, um, and Alex just about took that match. Um, and then after that, um, Brian destroyed everyone that he played. He literally, I think, he was the highest scoring player that went four and on one, only losing to Alex. Yes, so, I believe um, he won.
1: Uh, he won either best in bracket four or best in imperium I can't remember exactly, but he has gone for an interesting tech piece, which we've seen being played a couple of times. It's the last of storms and scouts for a double options on your secondary choices. One interesting aspect to the uh, last bit of storms that was being brought to our attention recently is your ability to charge mortar squads. <laughs> so, right. who would have thought of it? Um, but Brian's list is one of these ones we've been speaking about, which has the Desolation Marines. These are the four super crack launchers with the uh, sergeant who can shoot our line of sight. But he's then gone for some more obvious Iron House choices some eradicators, some devastators, along with other tech pieces to make sure he's scoring high.
2: And what what's happened to these? Um, you know, it's, it's all good and well saying these land speed of storms can charge these mortar squads, but what mortar squads are we talking about now? Because it well, don't indeed. appear to be anyone using them in the the top 12
1: we we shall get further up we're about halfway through our top 12 now and we will move on to another scott brian obviously an honorary scott but now we have the full the full kilt i don't know what you call him (laughs) Ines wilson captain of team scotland is next up with odds of six to one so we're getting into you know half the money if you'd bet on adam lane Will we'll, uh, we'll, uh, be returned to you if you bet on Innes. So if you bet £100 on Adam on 12 to 1, how much would you win, George?
2: If you bet £100 on 100 to 1, it's a, a lot of money. Yeah. Not what is it? Um, Sorry, would you 12 say £100, to... £100 on... on Adam Lane, 12 to 1? So you'd get 1300 including your 100 back. So 12 is... to 1, your winnings would be 1200 plus your £100 pounds that, that was to return to you, your betting money.
1: So Where 1300 is it? if we bet on our 100 pounds we'll get 700 returned to us so a li- right, little like 600 little Six hundred belongs than
2: yeah to you, to the bookie and 100 will belong to yourself this return. Yeah. so
1: Innes is £6-1 as we've mentioned and he is playing what
2: he's got iron hands as well um which is interesting because um i thought to myself when when i first saw that um innis was coming i thought this will be interesting because also um a friend of mine malik is also coming and I believe these to be the two you know really good Gene cedar colt players um in the u k both of them being probably the two the two best Gene C, the colt players um around and both of them decided to abandon their, their their main faction um which is interesting because everyone's talking about how Gene C, the colt are now one of the highest win rates around so if they're one of the highest win rates, why are the two best teams, the Cult players decided to abandon them? And um, that's the interesting yeah. question.
1: Well, I think it's the interesting question that perhaps this is going to be the focus of this episode. And both of these players, we'll get on to Malak in a second, have switched out their GSC for an army that contains perhaps the unit that makes GSC no longer viable. And that is, once again, the Desolation Squads. Now, there was lots of funny memes going around these guys when they first came out. Obviously, you know, very disproportionate sculpt, massive, silly-looking guns that everyone was nerfing up on the uh, on the, the internet. Um, realistically, George, one of the main discussion points in the community this week has been, are these people any good? Because they seem fairly expensive. So we've got basically two wound bodies that most of them need line of sight to shoot, and, you know... If they're going to be hanging out at the back of the board, they're probably not going to be able to get many lines of sight. So, have you been playing with these? What's been your experience? You know, in and around the meta the last week, are these as good as people think they are?
2: Um, well, I believe they are. Yeah. Well, I mean all the all these best players can't be wrong, and they've all they've all gone with it. I mean, I've not actually tested it myself, but um, that we're talking about the desolation units here, right?
1: correct yes the desolation yeah, squads so and it seems they can every shoot single line
2: of sight that's that's the key thing right
1: they so, all can or it's just the sergeant
2: no they can shoot without line of sight i believe that's how they work right
1: i, I i'm not sure i know there's a diff- bunch of different uh weapon profiles and the one that most people are taking is the four super crack and then the sergeant with the um i think it's called the venerator launcher or something like this um, let me just pull those up right now. I mean, yeah, they but, are very
2: new on the scene, and I've not played them. But what I, what I was led to believe is they can all fire. They they're given some some sort of upgrade or something, and they can all fire with no line of sight needed.
1: Interesting, interesting. Where That's that how is, I understand case, it. Yeah, it does. It does make you know this choice seem a bit more. Obvious, although it so, does bring into question a uh, an interesting point of view, which is there's so many of them. What happens when you play another matchup that has them too? Surely yours just die.
2: Well, yeah, it's pretty simple. It just comes down to who shoots first, right? <laughs> that's what Indeed. it's going to come down to. Now, uh, one nice trick would be to you know with the with the Dark Angels, you can let them shoot on death and things like that. On a four up, they can shoot on death, so they can actually shoot back.
1: But that's with the banner, of course. Who you know, turn yeah, one we'll might be hanging around but that will certainly be very useful midfield yeah interesting 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 so you know who would have thought towards the end of an edition we would get a pdf downloadable from warhammer community that would shake things up but that seems where we are at
2: and have we got one more balance before the new edition i believe they're going to do one more set of changes
1: now, if we are on schedule, as Games Workshop has previously you know, announced, what, when they bring things out, I think there is one due around Easter. I think that's that's the schedule that they've previously been keeping to. So, you know, we've got Adepticon this weekend. There's normally some big announcements, and GW have already announced that there will be a preview of at, a, at Adepticon, so we'll see what's coming up with that. But doubtless, there will be some juicy stuff to talk about very soon. Not just the results of this weekend, but also we'll do a bit of coverage on what those changes mean for 40k. Now, moving on to a another well-known player. He's won a couple of our events previously, and he is none other than Alex Harrison. So Alex has, I believe, also jumped on the Space Wolves trade, and he's probably got some desolation squads in there. So let's take a quick look at his list, and why don't you tell us why you've given him better odds than a player who, I believe, beat him at the last Manchester GT final, Ines Wilson. So you've ranked Alex higher. George, tell us why
2: um Alex is very clever right and and what I mean by this is he he often doesn't take the top top meta army. What he does is he looks at the top meta army and he tries to find a way to beat it and he plays something that's also very strong but also will have the advantage in that matchup is what he often does and as I touched on something earlier about space wolves may have um, a good fight into these dark angels as they've got the ability to punch through these big these big units of Terminators.
1: Yes, um, and
2: I know for sure Alex would have tested this matchup on TTS or or however he practices before he before he submitted his list. Um, well, he'd be well prepared.
1: I'm sure he is. And the noteworthy aspect of his list, of course, is to counter the four plus to wound Deathwing Terminators, and how do you counter that with reroll four plus to wound? So he's gone for Lightning Claws with his five, three units of five wolf and then if we look further down his list he's also got Sky skyclaws and melty guns power fists. so obviously fail four up him but then gets one of those Multi guns it's are because they'll be in range with those jump packs getting into uh, short range and then he has not gone for all the desolation marines he's only got seven one squad of seven and then some squads of long fangs so long fangs slightly different choice to desolation marines he's gone with grav cannons and then, obviously, the Terminator with the power fist and plasma gun. So lots of free upgrades getting spent there. And uh, we shall wait and see. You know, maybe we'll have a rerun of uh, last year's final with Alex and Innes again. But uh, that would obviously assume that the next people, the people that you have ranked highest, this is our top four, do not get through. So without <laughs> specifying the order, we've got in there our highest rank. British player from LVO, Mike Porter. We've got a um, two teammates of yours, including one old age pensioner, Malik Rubio, and <laughs> Alex Petford coming out of retirement, and Alex obviously coming off the back of a strong performance at Southampton, only losing in the final round to Nassim. And then, of course, Manny, who's been on an absolute tear this season. So we'll start off with Mike Porter. So Mike is the interesting one here. He's taken a little bit of a break. After Elvio, he said he was, you know, wanted to get, get a bit of passion back for the hobby. And Mike has jumped straight onto the bandwagon with Dark Angels. Now, what's interesting is we spoke a little bit earlier about Adam Lanes being, you know, one spreadsheet behind Manny Jima. Well, it seems like Mike Porter is too, because he's gone for the uh, sort of the original form of Manny's List, which has got the 30 Terminators in there, but he has gone for the Scout Squads and the uh, Speeders that we mentioned earlier as a tech piece. So you've actually rated. Mike, I believe, as your second favourite with odds of seven to four. So why don't you tell us quickly about why you've given him such good odds? I mean, we all know Mike's a good player, but he's out of practice in a new meta. He's playing a new faction that he's not an expert in. So uh what what's been your thinking behind making him uh your second favourite?
2: Well, exactly what you just said there, actually. You just used my, my two lines. Um so what I was gonna say about about Mike Porter is he's obviously playing a new faction. He played Harlequin so well and for so long. Um So my thinking behind making Manny a favourite over him um, is he's taken Dark Angels, like I said, and he's not familiar with them. He has, what I've heard, he's taken a little break. So he's not going to be, you know, he's practising. It's not going to be as frequent as it was before. Um, So I originally, I put Mike down as favourite and then I looked into it deeper and thought, well, Manny's going to be a lot more, you know, um, skilled with the Dark Angels, I believe, because of the practice he's got behind them. And he's also gone for the Desolation, and um, I, think they're a good, I think they're a good choice. But one well, thing Mike has got, which I really like, and I even said this to a couple of my teammates, is not to underestimate Ezekiel, the Psyker, that Dark Angels can take. Because I believe he could be a, a key piece in these these mirror matches against other Dark Angels. Because what he can do is he can make a unit uh, fight last, but more importantly, he could strip Obsec from a unit. So what that Ezekiel can do is one of the blobs that's guarding an objective, he can just take the obstacle off here, charge it with another blob of Terminators, and just hold them there for as long as possible. And then your he unit did. has the obstacle, and they don't, which is really, it's really interested in the mirror match.
1: So he's gone for you know, the sort of standard blobs, but then he's teched in a little bit for the mirrors. And you know, one Yeah, thing that's what I think. To... I think
2: it's very good into Dark Angels, uh, the Ezekiel piece.
1: You mentioned earlier that we're not seeing many guard at this event, but actually we've seen a lot more, I think it was Iron Hands overall, than there are Dark Angels, but there's more Dark Angels in the top 10, or at least our forecast top 10. So I guess Mike's going on that eight-old strategy of, you know, try and beat, you know, less favorable matchups based on player skill and then tech for the the lists that you think people of equal player skill are going to be bringing. Now, this is uh, something we've heard Manny talk about before in terms of in the context of research he's planning his list. And uh, it seems like Mike may have snuck in under the radar with the same tactic. So before we get on to, you know, you mentioned it already. Let the cat out of the bag. Manny is your favorite again. Let's cover off the other two players who you have ranked in our top four favorites. So we have here Alex Petford, who I mentioned um, went did really well at uh, Southampton, and you've got Malik. So Malik has also switched to Dark Angels, and Alex Petford is unsurprisingly also playing Dark Angels. So our top four is Dark Angels, Dark Angels, Dark Angels, and Dark Angels. So what Alex <laughs> had in, uh, in Southampton was a very interesting uh, unit. He was really big on me and him have been talking about, you know, our own list choices because I'm also a Dark Angels player. And he went for some of the uh, the plasma um, intercessor type models. I can't remember what they're called, but they, uh, you know, the ones that have the, the potentially four damage uh, plasma guns. And in his updated list, he has got rid of them. So well, it seems like all of these interesting lists are disappearing, uh, you know. Slightly, slightly, until we get into more And he optimized... was raving
2: about them as well, saying how they're his MVP in almost every game, the Plasmas. But I mean, where he's at to try to get these Desolation squads in as well, um, maybe he was just forced to drop them. That, that's my thinking behind that. Because obviously mm-hmm. you need a couple of the, the Terminator blobs in order to function and to score in the game.
0: Yes, so well, core decision of the decision there, right?
2: yeah, the Desolation will have to take over from those. Which is a shame because he was the only person running those plasma guys and they were performing really well. So he had a little trademark going for himself there. Um, yeah. But he did decide to drop them for the desolations.
1: And an interesting point in the meta game is that so many other people have taken out line of sight shooting that it's just meant that lots of the top players have not, you know, teched into those types of armies. So if the meta has been influenced by other people's decisions, maybe you can then go, you know, play a bit of 3D chess and counter the meta's meta and he could have stuck with his nice Plasma guys. But we'll do a little whip through Alex's list anyway because he has still got some interesting choices in there. Alex has a Chapter Master in Phobos armor as well as uh, the usual Dark Angel choices, which is Apothecary land speeders. he's gone for one attack bike. So clearly he had a couple of extra points just for some two multi shots turn. And uh, he's also got an Acolyte in there. So uh, still a couple of interesting choices from Alex. And you have given him your third favorite odds of three to one. Which is slightly better than you've given Malik, who's on a seven to two. So seven to two is is what? How much better than it's three a, and one. a half?
2: It's basically three and a half three to one, a half. one rather than three to one. So you know, seven to two is what they say in the, in the betting world. Okay. Um, now the reasoning behind this is, like I said, Alex has had more games with Dark Angels than what Malik has. That's one, and two, and more importantly, we all know that like in the past, Malik has done really well. At, you know these supers, and you know he won LGT, didn't he? And the, you know um not long ago and he's won multiple uh big tournaments but he rushed into this this, this dark angel army he was he was sticking with the genes the cult let me tell you in two and out about an hour before submission and he decided to um go with the dark angels and because of this little rush um he made a couple of errors in his list um he forgot to give the sergeant uh you know the upgrade for the extra damage which is a mistake obviously um he's admitted that you know um it's an error, simple as that, where he rushed in, where if he, have an, if he had another day, there's no doubt he would have um, gone with that. So a little mistake there. Um, will it cost him the tournament or will it win it or lose it for him? I don't think so. But just a little little details like that could make a difference. Um, and how much practice he's had with the army is not a lot, let me tell you. Um, hopefully he can get in a couple of games, you know, um, between now and Saturday.
1: Hmm. Well, interestingly, he, he's titled his list, Tell Me You're an Imperial Fist Player Without Telling Me You're an Imperial Fist Player. And obviously Malik, at the height of his powers, was an Imperial Fist Player. And it raises an interesting point, which is he does have lots of practice with Imperial Fists, and he's built a list that plays very much like them. So, you know, even though he has less experience with Dark Angels, perhaps his experience playing Imperial Fists back at the, I think it was the end of 8th, may come in handy for him to you know pull out a surprise win this weekend
2: and And also we say that he's got no experience playing Dark Angels but actually he plays them so he played against them so much he was just drawn against Dark Angels over and over again and obviously I practiced with Malik myself and I was a Dark Angel player so he played me a few times as well Um, so even though he hasn't played them a lot he's actually played against them a lot Mm. Which means it's it's the same kind of experience when you you know you've seen the army work you've seen the army function even though if you're playing against it he will know how to beat it so if you know how to beat it you know how to play it right I guess
1: well that's certainly one type of logic and uh, you know best of luck to Malik but to beat Dark Angels and to take home the championship this weekend he will have to beat. Probably be this gentleman Manichima. You've already mentioned he is our favourite for the weekend, and you have given him six to four odds. So just going back to uh, if you bet a hundred pounds, how much would you get back if you bet on six to four on Manichima?
2: So six to four. So what that means is it's um, two hundred and fifty returns. So what, it'll be a hundred and fifty pound profit, and then obviously your hundred pound back. So, the total so you're still
1: more than doubling your money. Uh, which is quite rare in you know in a lot of, in a lot of sports and a lot of betting you know doubling your money on the favorite is still pretty good odds so maybe that highlights you know how risky a, an overall sort of tournament prediction podcast model is maybe maybe we, we'll be getting it wrong every weekend uh you know we've already already put Poland first as our favorites last year so if, if this is going to be a new curse, then consider yourself cursed Manichima. But uh, you may may not need the curse because you've taken such a weird choice in terms of your first unit on your list, a Primaris captain, uh, a relic shield. But basically, this guy is just standing around. So, George, tell us a little bit about you know why you've rated Manichima first when he, he's, he's not sticking with his tried-and-true formula. He's gone for you know, lots of new points on Desolation squads, as we mentioned earlier. Um, he's dropped to the attack bikes, which he said were his MVP from the last event. And he's gone back to two telemasters with this Primaris captain. So my guess is the Primaris captain hangs around the back with the, uh, with the Desolation squad. Yeah, with the scores.
2: Desolation. So all he's doing is just, attack, just giving me well ones, right? Basically, yeah. that's, that's what he's there. there just just making their shooting more reliable. And what, what's probably happened with Manny, um, He was the first time he ever lost with his Dark Angels was against uh, Dave Gaylord in the, in the final game at Southampton. So what normally happens when you lose to someone in the final game or or thereabouts or you lose your first game, you look back on that game and think, what can I add to my list in order to beat that list that I just lost to? Um, And then all of a sudden the Desolation squad's dropped. And we all know they're like, a. well, I think they're a better version of the Mortars. I think they're better personally um, because they just kill them quicker than what they kill them in reverse. So that's what. as soon as they come out, he's hit the jackpot, hasn't he? Because that's exactly what he needs in order to do that and also to kill them uh the, the, Imp- the impure guard uh unit that gives out all the mortal wounds remind me what they're called um
1: the kassiken of course noticeably Kassakin. none yeah. of the players we've touched on today playing the kassiken are two top guard players from southampton nasim and david gaylard both noticeably absent from this event so no guard in the top 10 we're expecting but we yeah, are expecting... it's disappointing
2: isn't it It's disappointing that they've dropped out now I, I don't want to accuse them or anything, but it just looks like the guard players have bottled it to me they've seen these desolation squads that just showed up from nowhere and they know they're not prepared or they're, they're not pre- not equipped to, to beat them. That's what it looks like so our, our two two of our best players that you know generally do well in our tournaments, both guard players um I was aware that Dave was originally going to Manchester. I was sure of that. But so he must have dropped last minute, as far as I know, because I know he did have a ticket originally. Uh, Naz, I don't know at all. I don't I don't talk to Naz regularly, um, so I'm not sure his reason for not going. But it's disappointing because I'd like to to see how they would compete with their guard against all this all these uh, new Dark Angel lists.
1: Yes, yeah, it's an interesting point in the matter with dot with uh, guard being delayed so much in terms of their sort of statistical impact on the game because we know the balance stage sheets, sheets, sheets directly uh, reflect where games workshop view there to be a problem, and guard are sort of noticeably absent from those sort of concerning data points. Uh, but dark angel certainly won't be the the main issue, I guess. This weekend is so many dark angel players will be be able to be beating each other that if you just look at pure win rate, it's probably going to be not super high because. Obviously, they have to lose to each other, but when you exclude that data point, I'm sure Dark Angels are going to be rocketing up those those.
2: Uh... Yeah, and it's just whether whether my theory is right that Wolves will be good into them or not. I don't know. That's what I'm interested to see how that how that matchup goes. Wolves could be the answer to Dark Angels, or the only answer, maybe. Um, um that's, but that's certainly a off.
1: possibility but you view it as a unlikely possibility hence your top four all being dark angels so <laughs> round out the show george you've got another hundred pounds the banks lent you some money credit swiss has come in dropped off a bit big big bundle of cash and gone bankrupt as a result so how are you going to spend your hundred pounds this weekend who is your bet on and why
2: okay so first of all obviously i've done the odds and i've i when I've done the odds, I believe that Manny has the best chance of winning a tournament. So, But this time, I'm not going to go gung-ho and put the whole 100 on him. So I'm going to put 50 on Manny. So what that will give me is a £50 pound profit if he wins. So I get 150 back with the 50 quid. And with my other £50, pounds, I am going to put that. And this is going to be my slightly outside bet on Alex Harrison at 4-1. to one, Which four will to return one. me 250, you 200. 250, including my 50. So you're so you're playing a similar strategy. Alex, to me. Alex is my yeah uh, my value bet because four to one's quite a generous price for him, and I I know for sure that he tests against the top meta list. So my thinking behind that is that he's tested these walls into the Dark Angel mirror. Well, it's not really a mirror, but I mean Marine Blue Marine, Marine and walls are the answer to them. That's my thinking behind that
1: interesting so it's a similar strategy that i took the itt where you know if your favorite comes in you're going to keep your money or make a tiny bit of profit and uh, you know if your outside bet comes in then you're going to turn over a little bit of extra extra moolah for next weekend so if i had a 100 pounds uh who would i put the bet on so i think i'm going to do a similar thing to you but i'm going to play a bit more outfield so i'm going to put 50 pounds but i'm going to put it on mike porter Mike Porter famously lost I think two games the whole of last season one of which was a no-show because he had to go to work and the other one was obviously the LBO <laughs> finals so uh, I'm going to put 50 pounds on Mike Porter so
2: and he's actually at... never lost at one of your UK tournaments has he last year physically lost. I don't
1: believe so no he, he not um, so just that's an unbelievable record final. that
2: isn't it so yeah
1: so 50 pounds at seven to four that would return me how much George
2: 50 pounds at seven to four. So 40 would be 110. So let's just get that off. So it'd be like 120, 125. I can get these Yeah, let so me just would, get that on.
1: That would bring me like 20 quid back into the black because obviously we're both, you know, minus 100 in the red at the moment. So I'm going to put my 50 onto Mike Porter and then I'm going to do the same thing I did last. 137.50. Gonna...
2: Sorry, it took me a minute there. On 137.50, yeah.
1: And then I'm going to split my other 50, and I'm going to do the same thing I did last time, where I'm going to put an each-way bet on, and I'm going to put that on Vic Vijay. Vic? Ooh. Yeah. And Alex Harrison. And Alex Harrison, yeah. Yeah. So mixing up a bit, I'm playing a bit risk-adverse, but ultimately... I
2: mean, each-way on Alex Harrison wouldn't be a good idea because the odds are so short. Um, it wouldn't be worth it. They normally say you want five to one or more in order to do an each-way bet. Otherwise, you're just well, my, losing my, money. Because... My,
1: my, view, my view is you know, Alex is going to come second and Mike's going to come first and I'm going to
2: make a bunch oh, of cash. Oh, right, and then you, get, you get your 50, yeah, because if Alex comes in the top the top three and then you get 50 pounds back. So, mm. you know, and then obviously Mike, yeah, yeah, that's one way of doing it.
1: We'll have to wait and see, so George, hopefully we'll catch up with you after this event, and we can do a little bit of roundup of how the event went. If we can't get you next week because there's too many interesting new things to discuss coming off the back of adepticon, then we will definitely get you back in before our next event, which is of course the london open London Open is our local London event right next to a tube station in central London, and that is on the fifteenth and sixteenth of April where there'll be you know, what's of Sigma. Really
2: interesting. I'm actually competing in that one, so be, I can give myself some kinda.
1: You can indeed. I'm sure there will be 20 to one or worse though. (laughs)
2: Um, I can't see myself being in the top 10, but it is a much smaller field. So you never know. I'll have a look who's there.
1: It is. And obviously it's a London centric field. So, you know, the the player skill is is not a national representation. It's much more Southeast England representation. So we'll definitely have you back on for that. As I mentioned, anyone that would like to come, we have Sigma. We've got 40k and I believe we've also got a Song of Ice and Fire now that is a new game system we're adding to all our events up and down the country and of course most of our audience will be listening for 40k related content let's just say because we don't touch on anything else so far but uh you know we've got 40k events all over the place bristol is our next massive one that is in June and this Friday we have tickets to the Leeds Supermajor. The Leeds Supermajor is our biggest event in North. We have space for over 500 players. So if anyone that's come to Nottingham, it's bigger than Nottingham. The only event in Europe, I think, singles event that's bigger is the LGT. So this is basically the third biggest singles event in the world. So if you want to come to that, tickets on sale on Friday from Warhammer-Tournaments.com. We hope to see you there. And George, thank you very much for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me, and I'll see you all in the next episode.
0: Thank you for tuning in to What's Happening in 40K. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll We'll be be back back next time with even more more news, news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.